AC Projects podcast, and today my guest is Shane Gafog, who's an American artist who looks through the lens of humanity at civilizations, both past and present, and views time as threads that connect all people. His work is a visual language that is informed by the spiritualism of abstraction and the realism of the old masters. These two ideas are usually seen as separate, but Gafog fuses them seamlessly into works that transcend and become testaments to thoughts that inform us of who we are in the 21st century. It's about time for another podcast with Shane Gafog. It is way past time. <laughs> it's been too long. How are you, Victoria? Good, how are you? It's time to catch up. Post, 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 post modernism at post the ranch. Post modernism at the ranch, post COVID. <laughs> yes, yes. So, um, yeah, and we're in LA, by the way, uh, recording this. But <clears throat> at the ranch recently, about two, three weeks ago, I think, Eric Swinson came by and mm -hmm. filmed me again. And then I realized it had been two years since he'd been there filming me. And we just reviewed the other film on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And in that one called The Ranch Part One, uh, the old bird buildings were still up. There was 20,000 square feet of bird buildings from their Avery's pet birds, cockatiels, lovers, uh, parakeets and finches, stuff like that. Emus. Emus, they, well the emus were in a different area. And, um, and then I just planted the orchard. Mm -hmm. So the orchard was still quite young and small, uh, orchard fruit trees. And, um, and since then, oh my, let's see, ripped out all the bird aviaries, 20,000 square feet of them. That was quite a job. This guy came in with an excavator and a big dump truck and just ripped it all down and hauled it all off. And <clears throat> then, um, let's see, then we, there was a fencing where all the emus were and got rid of the emus. Um, and then he took it to a sanctuary. Yeah. Well, a guy came and got him. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, they're mean. Them, them suckers are mean. They come at you. And, oof. They're bad. But got rid of those things. And, and then we took all the cyclone fencing down. And then there was all these fence posts everywhere. And um, had to get those out. But the soil was so hard because of the drought. Right. And I had to get some water from the irrigation uh, company around there and flood the field first. I was there for that one of those times. Yeah, remember I sank yeah. down into my to my knees. Yeah, yeah, that was, in the mud. That was quite a sight to flood and everything. I've learned a lot about farming from you. Have you? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, anyway, then I got my neighbor Ernie come down with his backhoe and Ernie helped me uh, dig out those post holes and they had at least a bag of cement on the bottom, 80 pound bag on the bottom of each pole. And they were, some of them had more and you know, they're like 150 pounds, these poles. And he's, he's kind of digging them out and pushing them over. Then I'd pick them up and drag them off. Um, it was quite a workout. <clears throat> anyway, once that was done, then, um, we ripped the, the ground, mm -hmm. and once it dried a little bit, we ripped it. He ripped, Ernie ripped it with his tractor and these big three prongs, and it went, I think it goes about three feet deep. And that's how you get oxygen back in the soil. Oh. 
Yeah, that's why you do that. And then on my tractor, I dissed it for a week every day going back and forth and back and forth until it broke up all the dirt clods. Then Wayne and I put in a whole watering system, a drip system that we tapped into the main line coming from the pump house um, and figured out where all the grapes are going to be planted. Then I ordered 350 vines of Cabernet Sauvignon and it's from a root stock that's 300 years old and from the south of France. And we are now in year two. They've only been there for two years. They were, I don't know, maybe four or five inches tall when I got them. Mm -hmm. And I planted them two years ago in May. <clears throat> and now they're nine feet tall. Right. It's, 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 it's like a miracle. Yeah, and the, the, the branches are like as thick as my arms. Yeah, you can't believe the grape, the bunches of grapes that are on there now. I was just looking at them in, this morning and it's like, what? This is nuts. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, so this last year we ended up making about 175 bottles of wine. Mm -hmm. And me and my friend Wayne and Troy, my two, two uh, high school buddies who are actually known them for, since mm -hmm. we were school kids. Um, and between the three of us, you know, we've kind of made some mistakes, but we got something that's drinkable. Mm -hmm. It's our summer wine, nice. barbecue summer wine. Uh -huh. And, and you know, it's just fun. And we thought, well, let's see where this goes. Well, now, now. Cut to, you had, a, you had a conference meeting. Yeah, we had a conference meeting yesterday. <laughs> about hate to tell you boss hate to tell you but we're going to have probably between about 2500 bottles this year instead of the 175 so um if you know if you stop and think about that we got to buy you know 3000 bottles but you also have to, we also have to buy crates mm -hmm. to pick them into mm -hmm. um and we'll we'll put that on a trailer on the back of my tractor and we'll pull it through the mm -hmm. vineyards and uh, I'm going to have to get a bunch of guys to help and we'll pick, pick, pick. And, mm -hmm. and then they um, go, I have to get a destemmer machine. Mm -hmm. And so it goes in that and takes the stems off and it breaks the skin ever so gently. Wow. And then from there it gets uh, pushed out into these big vats mm -hmm. where they sit and I think it's for a week and it's called a musk. And then we just keep pushing it down and pushing it mm -hmm. down so it doesn't get bacteria. Anyway, this whole process, you know, that we've, sure. we've learned, and so now we're stepping it up um, to get the right equipment, and we're going to have a, a little boutique winery. So I just, that's fantastic. I just <laughs> had that vision of I Love Lucy. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it, that's a nice, that's a cute idea, but no. All the ladies coming in there barefoot, yeah. stomping on the grapes, and no. a little, uh, little corral um that's not gonna happen no it's not gonna happen no so we're gonna have all these you know stainless steel machines and stuff and then once it's all fermented and it's all to the right place and and, and it's all gets um, filtered and then it goes into oak barrels mm -hmm. and we'll sit in these oak barrels for a couple of years mm -hmm. so imagine imagine two years worth right mm -hmm. of so we're looking at five thousand bottles of wine wow so, so now storage is an issue. Yeah. Where is it? Where, I mean, <laughs> have to build a new building. Well, we were just talking about mm. off, offline. Well, you could just put an awning and it's going to mm. be summer, but you can't do that. No, can't no. Do that. This is a real thing. 
But in the meantime, so anyway, I, the reason I decided we should do this podcast is because now we have this other video that just came out, which will be linked in the mm-hmm. thing. So you can watch the first one from two years ago and then this one mm-hmm. and see what I was doing during COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Eric Min Swenson, he's a good filmmaker and um, documents LA. Yeah, he documents LA and lots of things with artists and stuff like that. So he's he's been keen to follow you and um, it's really nice uh, videos. Yeah, it, he's you know he's he's very quick and brings his phone and a camera and mm-hmm. you know says where do you want to start and I just say over here and mm-hmm. away we go. Yeah, so you know like last year you got some flack saying, well, are you painting or are you farming? What's going on up there? Oh and, yeah, and you're doing both. Why I'm don't you talk both. a little bit about that? Painting. Well, I'm painting every day. <clears throat> but but how does your day begin? How does my day begin? Like as of lately? Well, I mean, as of it, late. Well, it started when you first started planting all these. I know because I would come up there and see you. You know, you'd get up and you'd st- you'd go into the orchard and you'd start talking to the plants and um, getting the fruit to grow and everything. And it started growing and you know, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And then you go into. Of course, it gets really hot depending on the time of year or really cold. Then you would go into the studio and start painting and mm-hmm. work until the evening. So it was definitely a full day. Oh yeah, I, I, I put in, you know, 12 hours a day, every day, pretty much every day. Um, maybe one or two days is only eight to 10, but mm-hmm. um, lately what I've been doing is I, I wake up at 5.30 in mm-hmm. the morning. I just automatically wake up mm-hmm. and <clears throat> get up and make the coffee and Mm-hmm. And then um, I'm usually in the studio by seven a.m. Well, now that but now that like the orchards and the grapes and the, and the trees and the vegetable gardens and all that they they've matured. Yeah. But before you were going out. Well, going out and checking on everything and checking on the watering system and, yeah. and making sure it was all working. Um, it's it's all fine now and I, everything's automated. Yeah, it's on your phone, right? Yeah, I can control it all from my phone from anywhere in the world. Um, <laughs> but also now my friend Wayne, uh, Wayne and Troy both, they just retired this last year. Mm-hmm. So Wayne's out there in the mornings. He gets out there about 6 o'clock, 6.30 before it gets hot. And he's been thinning the grapes because we have twice as much as too many that we need. And so he's thinning them. He and Troy have been thinning them. I haven't had time to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I did prune all the grapes during the winter time mm-hmm. and I pruned all the um, fruit trees mm-hmm. during December, January, because it's quite cold and foggy. Mm-hmm. And I like to bundle up and go out and prune the trees. And mm-hmm. um, it's just a fun thing. I don't know, I just enjoy it, but there's probably something kind of romantic about it. I mean, he grew up on the property. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. And, but the, and then also in the last two years, now I planted um, olive trees three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a Greek olive, and I can't remember the name of it, but it's a little small one. It's quite spicy. And so the last two years, with the help of a neighbor, we've been able to press them for olive oil, and it's really, really good. Then last year, two years ago, I planted 10 more 
um, type, Temoral treatises, different type, and it's supposed to blend it out a little bit so it's not so spicy with the other one. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to plant another 30 more trees next month mm-hmm. of another type called a Pacal, Pacal, I think, something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to have a sort of nutty almond fruity flavor. Mm-hmm. So the three olives blended should make for really, really nice olive oil. Mm-hmm. So I'll have 60 olive trees. That's a lot. And the olive <laughs> trees are like 12 feet tall, I feel like. Oh, yeah. you got to have ladders. Big yeah, ladders. They're, they're quite tall. <clears throat> yeah. So you got about five acres on the property. Yeah. And everything is sort of in sections, divided up. Yeah. Kind yeah. of. Yeah, it is. And the, the um, you know, the grapes are in one in the back area on the um, northwest corner. Mm-hmm. of the property and it's like I said 350 vines so there's 10 rows of 35 mm-hmm. and then the uh, fruit trees are um, on the front of the property mm-hmm. and kind of wind around to the side of the mm-hmm. property mm-hmm. and then on the other side is where all the buildings are and my mm-hmm. studio and the wood shop is there and um, and then in the middle of the property I have a, a guest house mm-hmm. and there was a welding shop mm-hmm. that we converted into a gallery space, but now I'm using it also as a studio because mm-hmm. I keep outgrowing my spaces. Yeah, well, that's a good thing. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. So when so when we look at film, you know, part one and part two, mm-hmm. um, anything you want the viewer to pay attention to? I mean, one thing would be all those in part one. All those aviaries. All these aviaries are gone. They're all gone. Yeah. Part two, you've got roses. You've got, you know, it's like the Garden of Eden up there. Yeah. Yeah, I planted, I don't know, it was like 20 rose bushes. And now they're just amazing. You know, I got the climbing ones. I planted them in between these cypress trees um, along a fence. And mm-hmm. so they've climbed into the fence. They've grown into the fence. Uh-huh. And it's just a wall of color. It's really nice. I like to sit outside in the mornings now and have my coffee and look at it. Yeah. So those those so this whole process was a bit of a hobby. It's turned into way more than that. It's 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 an art project, I Mm -hmm. think. You know, and and um, I somebody asked me recently. You know, when did you come up with this idea of making your own olive oil and wine? And I said, thirty years ago. I started thinking about it and I wanted to do it. And, you know, it takes time and it takes space and it takes money. Mm-hmm. And back then I didn't have any of those things. So suddenly the timing was right and I had the space and I had the money. So I went for it. Yeah. Like a, like a crazy guy that I am. Well, I mean, I mean, your paintings are getting more... You, you know, you've got this exhibition in Venice coming up, the Venice yeah. Biennale in 2024. So there's a lot of demand auction results, keep making new records and things like that. So for me to watch you, you're not going out and buying Rolls-Royce Phantom. You're, you're putting the money <laughs> back into the in, ranch. Into the ranch. And, and you know, it's like... Yeah, I'm not buying a new car. I'm buying, <laughs> buying new equipment for making wine. Right. So and we can so we can actually have a real bona fide winery. But it's also another like 
something to be engaged to. It's also a pre-business that you probably didn't even plan, really. Not really. You know, I mean, I, I, I didn't know how many, what the produce would be on the grapes. I didn't know how much olive oil would be produced. I didn't even know how to press olives. Mm-hmm. I had no idea mm-hmm. when I planted them. Zero. And I actually <clears throat> did it for a Christmas gift for my son who had come back from his first year of college. And I said, you know, for your Christmas gift, I want to plant 20 olive trees for you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, he didn't like that idea and thought it was nuts. And, um, and he said, you know, that's not a gift. And I said, yeah, it is. It, it will it will continue to give past my life, mm-hmm. you know, and if you take care of it, it'll continue to give to you. Mm-hmm. Instead of it just being an item that you throw away, yeah. you know, yeah. let's, let's really do something here, something that can give back to you. Mm-hmm. And um, so we did it, he quickly lost interest in it all and I just, you know, kept, it, kept going yeah. with it and kept mm-hmm. planting more and more trees and I've got, um, let's see, what do I have now? I've got a different variety of lemon trees and oranges. I think five or six varieties of, of oranges mm-hmm. and grapefruit. And I've got um, avocado trees and I've got pineapple guava. Mm-hmm. I have pear, mm-hmm. cherries, peaches, apricots, nectarines, um, 10 pomegranates trees. And the pomegranates we, we pressed and mixing that as uh, part of the recipe for the wine. Mm-hmm. Just to see what the flavors are. Yeah, yeah. Experimenting. Right. So, back to the lifestyle and you as an artist. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is kind of part of your philosophy to be inspired by the environment that you keep. Whether you're here on Western Avenue, um, you know, as long as the city will feed you. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it all kind of influences. So now you're, now you're mostly, you're between two places. Yep. But for the most part, we can say that you're going to be highly influenced by urban city in Los Angeles or this, this incredible ranch, ranch yeah. that you've got. So, so how, how is that feeding into your art now? That's an interesting question. I think, you know, here in Hollywood, I think this is the, my 31st year of mm-hmm. having my studios here at this space. And it's, you know, it's not an easy neighborhood. It's not an easy city. Mm-hmm. There's, I think, too many people. It's too congested. It's too noisy. It's, uh, you know, and after this whole COVID thing, you know, the tent cities are everywhere and it, mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to look at. Yeah, it is hard And to um, it's hard to, you know, you, have, you can't ignore it, obviously. Because yeah. it's a real problem. Right. But, and it's a problem for those people. Um, what the solutions are, I don't know. But when I first moved here, I thought I'll stay here as long as the energy of the city feeds me. Mm-hmm. And then a few years ago, it started not feeding me like it had. Mm-hmm. Right. And, mm-hmm. and then while I've been here, I've also had other studios elsewhere. I had a studio downtown for a while. I had a, I rented a, a what was a former restaurant nearby because mm-hmm. I just needed more space. Right. <clears throat> um, but, you know, I've always maintained the studios here as well. And up there, I, 
one time somebody asked me, you know, what was a, what's it for you? What is the main thing about being here in a country like this mm-hmm. on the ranch? And I said, because they were like, it's so quiet. Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, I have room to dream. Mm-hmm. I have mm-hmm. space in my brain to let my mind wander and imagine things. Yeah, that's a huge statement. Yeah, and, and I, think I being in the city, mm-hmm. you're conflicted with um, maybe not you, but just the competitiveness of the city. Mm-hmm. You know, and you, there's no space to dream. There's space for your ego to become inflated because you're wondering what your neighbor's doing and how you can better up your game. Yeah, but all that no stuff. There's no space to dream. Yeah, no, there's not, and and. Um, there's a dirt road that goes behind my property and I try to go for a walk in the morning um, or certainly a walk as the sun's setting and you know it's like a mile and a half each each time and and it gives me time to think I take my dog for a walk and she likes to run through the fields and mm-hmm. it you know it and her happiness is a reminder to me yeah that it's all a state of mind mm-hmm you know, and I think, look how happy she is. She doesn't know anything about what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. And she's happy. Mm-hmm. Blissfully happy because she's actually in the moment. Yeah. Which is something we all have a hard time doing. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> so, for instance, like when I'm on my walks I or going through the orchard or whatever, I allow my mind to go on a bit of a walkabout, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. imagine things. And I imagine like, okay, what... What am I, am I going to feel next time I get on a plane mm-hmm. to go to Europe? What am I going to feel when I'm walking along Venice, uh, along the canals again? Mm-hmm. What am I going to be thinking as I'm looking at these spaces, mm-hmm. you know, where we're t- talking about doing a big exhibition mm-hmm. and my, you know, my team will be with me. And, and so I just kind of imagine what that's going to be like. I don't imagine how it's all going to turn out. Mm-hmm. I just imagine sensorily, mm-hmm. emotionally, what it will feel like. I don't imagine that. A good feeling, though. Huh? A good feeling. Yeah, a good feeling, sure. Yeah. And that's what, you know, when I know that, okay, this is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I'm not like flipping a coin yeah. on big decisions like that. <clears throat> and then, you know, it's just... It's one of those, it just gives me the time and the space that I need. And um, then I can go into my studio and, you know, it's a fairly large studio and that I built and um, or converted. It was an old barn that I converted and it just has such a great vibe to it. You know, mm-hmm. and I walk in there and it's like, ah, oh, ah, mm-hmm. oh, and I turn on my music and I just immediately start painting. Mm-hmm. And so I've been going from seven till noon. Mm-hmm. I'm very, you know, kind of blue collar in that way. I'll work till noon and I stop and it's time for lunch. And then I take a half an hour. Mm-hmm. Unless Wayne and Troy are there, then I cook for them as well. And we all three of us sit down and um, talk about what we're doing and what's going on with the grapes and, mm-hmm. you know, and then they leave and I go back to work. Yeah. But, but, uh, but, I mean, I understand that part. 
But when you start painting, you go to another place. Yeah. So maybe the environment up there allows you to enter that place in an, in an easier transition. Absolutely. Yeah, because I don't have any real distractions. I don't have this external white noise happening like here in the city. You know, there's, um, there's a lot of just chaotic energy yeah. in the city, any city. And up there, it's very, very quiet. I mean, I joke that there's a big traffic jam because there's a when there's a tractor going by with mm -hmm. a, a wide load, you know, and they're yeah. going to go disc up a field, and it, it, they got their flashers going. And it's, oh, traffic jam. Yeah. You know, it's me being funny. But, no, it just, um, you know, and I think often about, you know, what, what I was recently in New York, and... Mm -hmm for a, a gala event and um, just walking around the city and I went to the Metropolitan and you know it's such a great museum and it was so refreshing to look at my favorite Rembrandts again and see the Picassos and it just that makes me happy yeah you know and it gives me a sense of a place mm -hmm. in my life and and the the lineage of things mm -hmm. <clears throat> and but walking around the city was very different this time because it used to be I thought really really noisy mm -hmm. and dirty and now it's like really clean and civil mm. and it was very different than when I came back to LA it's like oh this is it's like they flipped mm. LA used to be laid back it's not so laid back anymore and then I started thinking about you know like Chelsea or or like Chelsea Greenwich Village and you know started looking online for like a little studio there or something and of course they're outrageously expensive and I quickly squashed that idea but um, I thought this city is actually doable now mm -hmm. that's weird yeah I never I always would brace myself for New York mm -hmm. um, you know and I've thought about Venice and maybe at some point like in the and during the winter time or the spring time rent a studio there for three months an apartment and a studio and just just go and paint and be and see what comes out of it. In Italy, Venice, Italy. Venice, yeah. Italy, yeah. 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 And, you know, I'd like to do that one day. Yeah. I'd like to maybe um, go to Scotland. Yeah. And where my, you know, father's family is from and mm -hmm. go to a little village and rent a, mm -hmm. rent a place mm -hmm. and for the summer and paint. Mm -hmm. I'd like to do, go to Greek Island and do the same. Yeah. I probably won't. <laughs> only because I have so many uh, projects going on I right. you know, everything I do it comes with responsibility yeah and I just can't see myself just kind of getting up and taking off for three months mm -hmm. so you know I never really asked you this question but I'm not sure what else you want to talk about but um, regarding the ranch and, mm -hmm. and your process and stuff. But, I mean, looking back as a younger person, being on the property and and everything you've gone through and your family, you know, your, your mom and dad who are no longer with you, and, <clears throat> and making this sort of living between Los Angeles and, and the ranch life there, Mm -hmm. Is there any, like, a lot of artists reach out to you and ask for advice and stuff. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, is there any advice that you'd say to yourself? Like, would, would you say, hey, you should have done this earlier? Or, yeah. you know what? No, yeah. this was a natural progression and it organically happened and just follow, just, just, just learn, like, spend time. The most, the best advice you can give somebody is spend time listening to your gut feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, like, wh- what could you say? Yeah, and, you know, I mean, I, my career has been, it's been an interesting ride, I will say, and it started off in my 20s, and I, you know, started getting in shows, and mm-hmm. started having a few sales here and there, and that was great, and then you think it's all going to explode, and it doesn't, and, you know, you, um, I got to start working for Ed Roche and Joe Good, and then occasionally at San Francisco studio, and you know, what that did was showed me from a business point of view how a studio needs to be run and managed mm-hmm. and that also how to manage your career. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're going to be in the show in Bakersfield that opens in a couple days. Thursday, yeah. Uh-huh, called The Circle of San Francis, yeah. But, you know, and I don't know who else is in the show, but I think it'll be really interesting and, yeah. and it's a great opportunity. But... And, you know, I do get calls every now and then, and, and, you know, people ask me, what's, in your mind, where's the center of the art world now? Is it L.A.? And I said, no, it's, it's Instagram, quite mm-hmm. frankly. And um, so, you know, our landscape keeps changing. We are responsible for the changes. It keeps evolving, for better or worse. It, you know, the role that art plays, I think, is forever changing. And now we have this whole AI thing, you know, on the horizon, and we have the writer's strike going on, and I guess the Screen Actors Guild are going to be striking next, and there's all kinds of um, red flags being waved in the air about AI taking away everybody's jobs. I mean, who knows where this is all going. I do know that when I paint, it gives me a great feeling of happiness and satisfaction, and I, I, I've been actually looking at my paintings and wondering, can AI recreate some of these things? And then I said, good luck. You know, they take me months and months and months and there's so many layers of paint and thin layers of these glazes, you know, that mm-hmm. there's no shortcut to creating those effects of mm-hmm. how we see. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, but I think, um, you know what I did, and I, you know, I, again, I, I have asked, I get asked this all the time, is that you got to put yourself out there. You know, when I first moved to LA, I went to every art opening I could. I would introduce myself, and then as time went on, and I moved to Hollywood, and I got the studio here, and I started inviting anybody and everybody to come over to see my work. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't care if they flipped hamburgers because everybody knows someone. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was about planting seeds, mm-hmm. you know, and just getting my name out there. Um, and then I started, when I had a little bit of extra money, I threw a dinner party. Mm-hmm. And those dinner parties became weekly. And, you know, I started selling my work that mm-hmm. way. Then somebody would hear about me and I get a phone call, you know, we mm-hmm. want you in this show or that show. and. Um, I wasn't very good at sending out my slides or, you know, asking galleries, will you please show me, represent me. I was very, not very good at that. And 
I, it just all happened organically, quite frankly. And, you know, when I got my first museum show, that was just purely happenstance. I think, you know, I mean, I was showing with Leslie Sachs Gallery and, and they said, well, how'd you meet Les? How'd you get hooked up with Leslie Sachs? And I said, the, you know, the director of the gallery came to an exhibition at Pharmaca. Mm. And it was a group show, and I was I was just there, you know, because I was running the place, and it was a big scene, and there was thousands of people, and the director had was just floored by the energy, and said, "Who's in charge here?" So somebody brought him to me. Wow. And and you know, and he said, I, "We need to have lunch. This is phenomenal what you're doing here." So I gave him my card, and on you know on the card had my website, and I knew he would look it up, yeah. and he did. Uh-huh. And then a couple of days later, he said, "I want to come over to your place and see these paintings. Everybody here has been looking at your paintings." Mm-hmm. And he came over and stood in front of this big eight-foot-tall painting and said, "Wow, how much is this?" And I said, "It's twenty-five thousand." And he started laughing, and I thought, "Oh no, they're too much money." And I said, so they're, they're too much? And he goes, no, they're not enough. I can't, no collector I work with is gonna take that price seriously. We gotta be at least 45 mm. for a painting of this caliber. Are you crazy? Mm. So I said, okay. And then he had, he sent Leslie over, Leslie Sachs, and so Leslie came over and he and I talked and shook hands and I had a show. <laughs> you know, it's just, one of those things. Now, had I gone in and said, hey, I really want to get represented by you guys, who knows if they would have said yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think yeah. that life, what I find the hardest thing to do is to get out of your own way mm-hmm. and let life happen. Mm-hmm. And if it's supposed to be, it will be. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was thinking was today that it was 20, in 2004, I went to Venice for the first time mm-hmm. with John Skane. And um, this collector paid for us to go because neither of us had two pennies rubbed together. So we went and stayed at a great place that um, this other friend had. And, and you know, we saw, saw the place and I thought, you know, I was daydreaming then about one day I'll have a big show here. A big, big show. I could feel it. Mm. And next year, which will be 20 years later, I'm going to have a museum show. And it's happening. Yeah. You know? That's good. Yeah. And it's just, when you have those feelings like that, trust them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just trust them. You know, and I want to have a show at some point in time at the Louvre in Abu Dhabi. Mm-hmm. And I, I know it will happen. I don't know when. I don't know how. Mm-hmm. But it'll happen. Mm-hmm. I can feel it. I can feel those things, you know, and if you're, and that's the thing about, I think, being in Yeah, the, but you gotta do the work. You, know, I mean, you have you, to do the work. You're not saying, you're not just sitting here on the couch watching TV going, yeah, I think one day I'll have a show. And then you're <laughs> like, you know. No, you, I work you, 12 hours a day. Yeah, you're working every day. Yeah. And yeah, and that's, and that's, you know, what's going out into the world. Is yeah. That I am doing this stuff. And, you know, and I try to post every day on social media in one fashion or another because, again, that's the new center of the art world. It's the center of the world. Mm-hmm. It's the social media stuff. And, you know, is it something I really enjoy doing? Not particularly. 
Yeah, but I mean, back in the day, you used to put your slides together and then your gallery, they would be in charge of PR, they would be in charge of printing a catalog, mm -hmm. all that stuff. Now you have Blurb and a couple of other things and you can self-publish. Yeah. And that's another thing I tell artists, I said, put together a book, publish your own book, hand them out like, like a business card. Yeah. You know, you have these tools available to you now. Get it out there, you know, Instagram, I mean, Learn how to cut little movies on your phone mm -hmm. and make them interesting and put them out there. That's, those are all tools mm -hmm. that galleries used to do for artists. Yeah. And I think the artist now has to wear every hat you can that you can. You know, yeah, it's a you, lot. Yeah, it's different now. Mm -hmm. Okay. Anything else? No, I think I think that's that's good. That's good. So we'll so. The first ranch video was two years ago. Yeah. The second one is now. Yeah. And a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago. We're gonna we're gonna share that, and maybe the next one will be in six months' time. I think. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Or maybe it'll be you know yeah maybe uh, you know it'll be fun is because um, I'm working on all the paintings now for Venice. Yeah. Italy. That's right. Yeah. And I'm working on 10 paintings at the same time right now. Mm -hmm. 10. Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot. But it's not a factory in there. No, no, no. And I, you know, I walk into the studio and just check in with myself and see which one is calling me. Uh-huh. And that's when I start working on it. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't have any premeditated idea. Today I'm going to work on that painting or that painting. I just walk in and, and I have two different palettes going mm -hmm. with two different color schemes because I have different paintings with different color schemes mm -hmm. um, and they're all on you know these rolling tables so I just roll them around to wherever I need to work mm -hmm. actually I have three of those tables and um, you know just go with the flow and if I'm nothing's coming then I'd sit down mm -hmm. just sit and look clo mm -hmm. you know, close my eyes and then open them and see what grabs my attention you know yeah just about being in the moment yeah being in the moment but yeah, so I'm making a, t brand, a total of 20 new paintings. Mm -hmm. um, I had to make a, a maquette of the museum spaces. And so I figured mm -hmm. out the size of the paintings and how many paintings. And, and I need to have them done by probably the end of October so that we have time to publish a catalog and all that groovy stuff. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm mindful of that. Yeah. I'd like to have them finished by middle of October. Right. 20 paintings. So maybe that's the time for the next video. Yeah. Okay. Alrighty. All right. Well, thank you. It's good thank to you. Thank you. Okay. Until next time. Yeah. Until next time.